Ron Ananian. I guess fixing cars has always been a, a curiosity for me, and it's something that has not diminished over time. And it's something that I look at, and I I guess as I'm getting older now, I look back at the technology that was there once and where it is now, and I'm just staggered by it. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. Oh, yeah. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, come on in. Sit down. Ron Nanny and the Car Doctor at your service at 855 855- Five six zero nine nine zero zero. The Car Doctor's toll free phone number once again eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. More information about this radio show at CarDoctorShow dot com. Links to various places where if you want to take and get podcasting, tune in iHeart, iTunes, all there. Uh, we we allow you to do it all the way across the board. Also, Google Play coming up soon to a computer near you. Google is going to be delivering podcasts of this radio show in their first delivery of their own podcasting system. Google Play, so that's out there, too. That's due to launch, I believe, in the next month. Uh, from what we're reading and hearing, they don't really disclose anything. But then again, Google doesn't have to. I think they're the government, so they don't. nobody cares what – nobody can tell them what to do. It's They do whatever they want. They don't care. Um, but, uh, you know, that's going to be out there, too. And if you need me during the week, I always give out my personal email for this radio show, ron at cardoctorshow.com. I'm glad to talk to each and every one of you. And I try. I can't get to everybody. I try. Um, I've got a pretty good record. And um, just let you know that if you need me during the weekend, it's an emergency. The car doctor does make a a a house call, if you will. Uh, Ron at cardoctorshow.com. I often look back and think, gee whiz, what's new and current in the news? And, um, boy, there was a doozy in the news this week. And um, I just want to touch on this real quick. Volkswagen's in trouble again. Well, not really again. It's still continuing. A couple of articles. I'm not sure which one to read. I've got one in front of me. Volkswagen to take... An $18 billion, that's B billion, hit for 2015 out of Wolfsburg, Germany. Germany German car maker Volkswagen capped two grim days. Listen to the way they're writing the article. Sounds like it's the end of the war. German car maker Volkswagen capped two grim days for the country's auto industry by revealing its diesel emissions cheating cost it a chunky $18.2 billion for 2015 alone, and that's likely only part of the total bill. The revelation last September, if you remember last September, they got caught cheating on emissions tests with their diesel vehicles from U.S. environmental authorities that the company had been cheating on emissions tests, rocked one of the most venerable brand names in the auto industry, and cost it its chief executive as well as a host of goodwill. Well, yeah, and you know, you still hear about this at the local coffee shop where we go for breakfast on Saturday, and uh, you still hear people talking about, and the question most asked is, you know, what's Volkswagen going to do? Well, here's the answer. Someone asked me a question the other day who had a very good point, that if if Volkswagen, if the car comes in for an emissions test and we test the emissions through the OBD2 port or however we're going to do it, how will we know if the car is fixed? Because if the car has been put in test mode, how how will you know? And it was, it was a very valid question. I didn't have that answer. I haven't seen how they're going to do it yet. On Friday, the article continues, German government officials said five German brands, and I thought this was really interesting. 
five German brands, including Volkswagen, would conduct a voluntary recall over emissions issues a day after. And this is why I'm reading this. Has anybody heard the part about Mercedes-Benz? Yeah. Mercedes-Benz Daimler said it was conducting an internal investigation, in the words of Fast Harry, I don't like where this is going, into its emissions certification at the request of U.S. authorities. That means the EPA is on Mercedes' case saying, we think there's something going on. The other piece of information I have came from a stock brokerage house. Most of the 11 million affected diesel cars are still on the road. Volkswagen AG more than doubled the provision to pay. See, these guys are talking about it from the cost perspective. This is the brokerage house, uh, Goitus Capital out of New York. Uh, Volkswagen AG more than doubled provisions. Not that they did this. They they sent this to me. Um, doubled the provisions to pay for the emissions cheating scandal, leading to the biggest loss in the German automaker's history. Can you imagine that? VW increased the amount set aside the cost of the cheating to $18.2 billion from a previous estimate. Europe's largest car maker sent a statement Friday. Volkswagen cut. This is, this is where the money guys get interested. Volkswagen cut its dividend uh, 97%. They cut its annual dividend 97% per preferred share of stock after reporting an operating loss, loss of 4 billion euros. You'd have to convert it. The stock traded 5% lower as of 3.30 Friday afternoon in Frankfurt, Germany. Volkswagen, I love this part, Volkswagen forecasts flat deliveries in 2016. I don't know, you think? And a drop in sales revenue of as much as 5% amid what the automaker called a challenging environment. Yeah, there's a challenge. We went up to Volkswagen, um, I think three weeks ago. We had to get some parts for something we were trying to resurrect. And it was like a ghost town in the showroom. And the the, the service shop wasn't doing much better. It was really kind of scary. You could hear the door kind of creak like, as you open the front door, like, anybody in here? VW took a step on Thursday toward emerging from the crisis that has rocked the automaker for the last seven months. And here it is, agreeing to fix or buy back about a half a million tainted cars in the United States. Can you imagine this? And yet... We still we'll, we'll forgive them. You watch. Two years from now, we'll be driving Volkswagens. Everybody will be happy. But General Motors makes a bad row of transmissions, and I know I'm opening myself up here. Back in the '80s, and all the head problems, and all the things GM did wrong, we'll never forgive them for everything that went on. And then we want to know why there's no jobs in this country. I got to get away from this. I'm being political. I'll get in trouble. Let's kick the garage doors open. Rich, Hopewell, New Jersey. 1986 Mazda, you're the first one in the door today, Rich. How can I help you run an any in the car doctor at your service, sir? Yes, Ron, thanks very much. Uh, 86 Mazda RX-7, 166,000 miles, and uh, the car will sit for about a week. I'll go out, start it right up, take it for a spin, and shut it off, maybe uh, go shopping or something, come back out, try to start the car, and it's very difficult trying to start it. It cranks over, uh, but it just won't start, won't start. Uh, eventually, I get it to start, but it's it's very difficult getting it to start. But it's only, like I said, after I've driven it. Uh, and uh, I've I put some Q, uh, fuel injector cleaner in the gas tank, thought right. maybe that would help. It really hasn't helped. This is, this is, sort, um, of a, this is sort of a different animal, this rotary. Um, you know, the, the, the piston seal is basically a pencil eraser on the end of a triangle, if memory serves me correct. And it's, it's probably not that simple, but it's something along those lines. And, and the nubs do tend to wear out. My question is, when it doesn't start, does it, is, it, is it missing spark or fuel? Which is it? Do you know? 
if I had a guess, I'd say fuel only because I'll I'll step on the the, the gas pedal and try to feed it with some gas, and it helps to try to. It, it sounds like it wants to start, um, and eventually it does, but. It sounds like it's being starved for gas. Okay, let's anyway. let's 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 do this scientifically. And, and this is in '86. This is still carbureted, is it not? Or is this injected? No, I believe it's fuel. I believe this, it's fuel this, injected. This is yeah. injected. Okay, um, I'm trying to remember '86. It was a while ago. Um, that was the new. That was the second edition. Yeah. Okay. '85, I think, was carbureted. '84 and '85s were carbureted. Because I go all the way back to the Mazas. Did you know the first generation of Mazdas didn't have tachometers in them with the rotary engines? This is a true no, story. No, yeah, the first, uh, back in, I think it was 79 when they first started selling them. And they didn't have, just as an aside, they didn't have tachometers in them. And people were power shifting and revving them up to 11,000 RPM and blowing up the uh, blowing up the engines. There was a mid-year release of a tachometer kit for that particular model Mazda. And they were were it was almost a recall where they had to be installed so people could understand because the engines just rev forever and ever and ever. Anyway, back to this. Mm-hmm. You really need to know is it spark or fuel? All right, so it's going to have to be a fuel pressure test or a spark test. And at, at that point, you know, we could have a crank sensor that's getting hot and fading out, but it it would pay to know rather than sit and guess. You know, even though it's a even though it's a rotary, it's still the two basic questions. It's it's three crank. Is it spark fuel or compression? And it could be compression, in the sense that the the, the end seals on the rotary case on the uh, you know the nubs for the drivers are worn out when they're warm and they don't seal as well. Um, so why don't we do this? You got a local auto parts store by you? Oh sure. Okay. Can we go out and get what we call a spark tester? Twenty bucks. Looks like spark a look, tester. yeah. It looks like a fancy spark plug. Basically, it's going to look like a spark plug with an alligator clip attached to it. And okay. what, and the reason you want to use that instead of just, you know, the screwdriver to ground test right. is the spark tester is a calibrated gap, and it will, it will put the ignition system under enough duress that it will replicate what the spark plug is going through when it's inside the engine trying to fire against compression. So I would I would check for spark. And then perhaps while you're down there, if you don't have one, pick up a mechanic stethoscope, listen to each injector. Do you hear them clicking? So if you have spark and you've got injectors clicking, then let's talk about fuel, and we'll have to figure out a way to do a fuel pump test, but you'll have to call me back next week for that, and we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, would help, would changing the fuel filter help at all? You think that's only if it's Only if it's, you know, only if it's clogged and only if it's, you know, a low fuel pressure issue, but then explain to me why when the engine's cold, it fires. A fuel fuel filter doesn't know temperature. A fuel filter just knows go, no go. And I've got to tell you, in in 43 years of fixing cars, I think I could count on one hand where clogged fuel filters actually stopped a fuel-injected engine from starting. You know, a, a, a fuel pump is a pretty strong, dumb animal. It's like a big ox. It'll keep going until it just stops. It, it, it just, mm-hmm. It's amazing. So let's go through okay. some basics. All right, kiddo? Okay. And then we'll go from Good there. Enough. You know where to find me. Thank you so much. All right, Rich. You're All very right. welcome. I'm Ron Anini in the car, Doctor. We are back right after this.
Welcome back. Ron Anini and the Car Doctor here. Toll-free number 855-560-9900. Let me point out, coming up down around the bottom of the hour, we're going to be talking with John from Biduox, which is a cleaning company. It's a product we came across in the shop for cleaning that dirty, greasy, grimy mess. And uh, we were so taken and thrilled by it, we thought we'd bring it up here on air and talk to him about it. It's biodegradable. It's really great stuff. We've been using it in the shop for a couple of weeks now, and um, um, it's a fast Harry find. And uh, as always, I listen to my employees and what they find and what they do, and uh, I just wanted to let Harry shine here because it's a great find and a great product. Let's see what else is going on. Let's get back to the phones. Let's go over and talk to Bob with a 2003 GMC. Bob, welcome to the car, Doctor. How's things up there in Maine today? Uh, good. Nice yeah. sunny day. Yeah, beautiful. What's going on? I, get, I have a GMC, and I keep getting a P300 code, random misfire. Okay. Didn't know if you could help me diagnose and point me direction to yeah, repair. Let me start the conversation by saying P0300's random misfire on one of these. And yeah. it's, it's it's a tough code to fix. There's there's a uh, more than a, more than a few things to look at and consider. So let's start with basics. It's got how many miles on it? About 120. Okay. What sort of ignition ignition maintenance has been done to it? And you'll probably tell me, uh, you know, new plugs and maintained. And... Uh, yeah, new plugs, wires. Right. Okay. Um, was the problem there prior to doing any of that? Yes. Okay. So. In an attempt to repair this, cut to the chase, tell me what's been done. It's had plugs, it's had wires. What else has been done to it? Uh, fuel filter, fuel line, but it was there before that stuff was done as well. Okay. Um, any other fault code accompanying that P0300? Uh, once in a while, I'll get an EVAP uh, okay. code. Which one? 446, 455? Um, I can't remember it right, right. now. Okay. Let's put the EVAP fault aside for the moment. I haven't seen EVAP and P0300 as a combination yet, but there's always a first time. So yeah. let's just touch for 30 seconds. P0300 is a random misfire. The crankshaft is spinning around at X speed, and the onboard computer measures that speed between firing events so it knows what it is, and it records whether or not it's a smooth transition from one cylinder to the next based on rotational speed, acceleration, deacceleration, and so on. It's programmed that knows what's going on. Right. One, of the, one of the things that will go wrong with this particular engine, one of the simplest things to try, is something called crank, crankshaft variation learn procedure, which is a process. And what we found is as the engines wear and timing change stretch and gets a little bit of play and everything at 125,000 miles, 13 years old, uh, it has to go through a, hey, here I am, here's what I'm supposed to do, and it needs a relearn. Now, you need a scan tool to do this, all right, and typically a dealer-level tool uh, to do this or something equivalent to that. The launch tool does it. I've used I've used the launch X431 to do it. I know that for a fact. But basically what it's going to do is it's going to erase the memory of what crankshaft rotational speed acceleration, deacceleration is, or variation is, as the procedure says. It's the crank variation learn procedure. And you know what? It won't cost you anything. you got to find someone with a scan tool. Go through that. It's in under-functional tests. That's number one, okay? Yeah. Number, yeah. T- number two, what's fuel trim? All right? Do you know what the concept of fuel trim is, Bob? Yeah, that was the second part of my question, but, yeah. Go ahead. Why is that the second part of your question? Well, I have a, a fairly 
expensive scan tool myself. Okay. And it has information, you know, numbers that it gives me, but I don't know where they should be or, you know, as far as O2 sensors, fuel trim, all that okay. stuff. Okay. So let's talk fuel trim. All right. Um, you ever you ever build a fire up in Maine? I'm sure you have, right? Oh yeah. Okay. If the fire is balanced just right, just the right amount of wood, just the right amount of oxygen, just the right looking flame, that is zero fuel trim. It's perfect. It's it's yep. got it's got the right mixtures and components. If you right. fan if you fan that fire, all right, and add more oxygen, all right, too much oxygen in the system is going to cause the computer to de- did, uh, subtract or take away fuel. So the yep. fuel trim goes from zero to the negative. All right? Yep. If if you choke that fire, if the wood gets wet or you cut off the oxygen supply or cut it down and it's going to start to make a black smoky fire, the computer is going to see that lack of oxygen. Or I'm sorry, it's going to see it's go I'm sorry, I'm backwards. I've got it backwards in my head. If it if if we add oxygen we're going to add fuel. You're going to see the fuel trim count up. If we go the other way and count it down where we choke it out, it's going to take fuel away because it's going to have too much. It's always trying to maintain a balanced fuel trim. All right? Yeah. So where is your fuel trim right now? Um, I don't I, I don't know right now. All right. So you got to look at it. What you're concerned yep. with is, is, is short-term fuel trim, what's happening right now. Long-term is history. If... If short-term fuel trim is to the positive, it's adding fuel because it's seeing too much oxygen, all right? All right. And if it's yep. adding fuel, seeing too much oxygen, I would take a very careful look at intake manifold gaskets. Very yep. common. They start out green, then they go blue. There's a couple of different color variations. There's more than a few TSBs I won't get into here because of time that you can take a look at and start chasing that. Last, last but not least, if your scan tool has the ability to look at Mode 6, Mode 6 is the behind-the-scenes machine language the computer uses to determine when and how to set a fault code. Look to see which cylinders Mode 6 is flagging and start to focus on those for possible valve train issues. I got to go, Bob. Let me know what that does for you. We can talk again later. I'm on Meeting the Car Doctor. Back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here, 855 is the phone number, 24-7. Give the Car Doctor a call. I should point out there is a messaging service attached to that, and Fast Harry will call you back if we're not on the air. We're live on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, and if you call 855-560-9900 anytime, day or night, 24-7, Fast Harry will call you back and put you in the lineup for the following show as we like to talk to you up here on air and help educate you as well as everybody else. Let's get over to Melissa, who's waiting there very patiently in Springfield, Illinois, with some questions about buying a new vehicle. Melissa, welcome to The Car Doctor. Thanks, Ron. You're welcome. How can I help? We have twins, 15-year-old sons, about to be 16, and we're starting a car shopping process. Oh, boy. Congratulations. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Thanks. And um, what are the questions? I can only imagine. Oh, boy. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Today we hope to go look at a 2008 Ford Escape XLT. Right. What am I looking for? What am I looking at? Recalls? Um, anything? That generation, that generation Escape, 
This is an Escape XLT, Melissa? Yes. That generation yes. Escape is is a pretty good vehicle, um, pretty solid. Do you know what engine's in it, the 6 or the 4? The V6. The V6, so it's a 3.0, I believe. Um, yeah, yes. pretty good vehicle. My engineer, Tom Tom Ray, drove a 2010 to 200,000 miles uh, with very few problems and an excellent mechanic. <clears throat> And, and now uh, my daughter has it. And now his, now his daughter has it up at school, so it's 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 still rolling. Uh, you know, there was a couple of recalls. There was one recall for the throttle body that I remember. And other than that, I think all we ever put into that car was brakes, tires, and oil changes. That was it. And, and normal maintenance, spark plugs and things like that. Um, pretty solid vehicles. Of course, condition will dictate everything as far as, you know, what's it worth and uh, you know, Tom had one that was taken care of properly. So, what you'd like to see is evidence of maintenance and service. How many miles are on this? Do you know? About seventy-two thousand. Okay, is it is it a dealer car or is it? Is, is it's it a, at a dealership. Yeah, they a, just brought it in on trade. Uh, a Ford dealer or what? What kind of a dealer? Mm, I believe it's a Ford dealership. Okay. Yeah. So then, one of the questions is: Is this one of their cars? Meaning, was it purchased at that dealer? and then trade it in at that dealer, all right? So that would probably lead you to believe the service had been handled through that dealership as well. Right, correct. And here's why Here's why I like buying a Ford from the Ford dealer used or the Honda from the Honda dealer used or, or whatever the case. Uh, hopefully they're going to put some kind of warranty on this, yes? Not sure yet. We, okay. it's, it's about an hour and a half, two hours away from home, right. and we're on our way it now so i don't have all that information yet. okay and that's something to consider now here's 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 where the game starts all right hey melissa um or you know gee mr car dealer can you put a warranty on this no melissa you don't need one it's too good of a car so you buy the car and then they decide hey melissa maybe you do need a warranty on this so they convince you to buy an extended warranty for 1500 or two grand or whatever the case is what what they're doing is in in some cases and i'm not saying they all do it but it's something to be aware of that i've seen done where the dealer will add an extended warranty after you agree to buy it, and they'll they'll somehow they get you to buy it, and it's because there's a defect in the vehicle, and they're expecting the extended warranty company to now be responsible for it rather than for them to be responsible for it. So war- yeah. warranty is always a telling sign, and I'm not saying that's the case in in your situation. It's just something I've observed over my years. So I like okay. I like to know what I'm looking at right up front. Is there a warranty? Yes or no? If they tell you right up front. Yeah, listen, we, we, we're going to give you a 90-day warranty with the option to purchase one. That kind of tells me they believe in what they're selling, and it's a pretty good product. If it's, if it's no, there is no warranty sold as is, um, you know, what are you, what are you buying? All right? You know, you're, you're kind of okay. buying a pig and a poke, as my father would, would say. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and then how much, how much are they asking for this escape? Um, they've got it stickered at 99 Okay, so ten grand. Call it what it is. All right. Yep. So it's ten grand. So what you want to know before going in is, I would do a quick search and find, you know, show me another two thousand eight Ford Escape with seventy thousand miles on it selling for ten grand. If they're all selling, get a little Kelly Blue Book online, and it looks like that's probably in range. Okay. Well, keep in mind, most dealers don't use Kelly. Most dealers use the NADA guide. All right. Okay. So you want to also I I don't know the exact website for that, but go look at NADA and then what does the market dictate? Again, you know if if everybody wants a 2008 Ford Escape, the book can say it's worth ten, but they're paying fifteen. 
If nobody wants a 2008 Ford Escape, the book can say it's worth 10, but everybody's giving them five because nobody wants it. So Supply and demand. Sure. Yeah, supply and demand. The market always has an influence on what a car is worth in terms of value. All right? And okay, then, so you said there's been a little bit of a recall. Do I? How do I find out if that's been taken care of on this particular VIN? Ask, ask them to run the VIN, the vehicle serial number, mm-hmm. and the list of recalls will come up, and they'll be able to tell you what's open, what's closed, and they should be able to supply you with a printout of that. All right? Okay. If not, I'm sure at, if you go 72, around. 000, go ahead. Go at ahead. 72,000 and a 2008, what do I need? to expect for belt changes, hoses, updates that either should have been done or are going to end up being our responsibility? Well, I'd like to see hoses done because the car is now eight years old. It's 2016. Uh, I would like to see belts done just based on age because it's 2016. It's eight years old. You know, it's not due for spark plugs typically till 90 or 100, but again, it's eight years old. So I would probably consider doing plugs, belts, hoses, some coolant for sure, trans fluid, the usual filters. And just taking a look at, you know, the condition of the oil and changing oil and things like that. One one little tip to keep in mind when you get in the car, check the radio station. Mm-hmm. Check the radio stations. If it's if it's heavy metal death music on the presets, chances are a kid drove this. If it's, you know, lullaby music or talk radio, it's an older person that that, you know, was a little kinder and gentler to the car. Just one way of looking Great at it. Great angle. I had thought of it. All right. So I'll tell you what, Melissa, stay on the phone. Harry, send Melissa three T-shirts. How many in the family, Melissa? Four? Is is, is there a Mr. Melissa? There sure is. Okay, so let's send you guys four T-shirts or just the whole family alike. Send us a picture on Facebook. This way you can keep track of the twins and tell who's who. They'll put one shirt on the right way, one shirt on backwards. Because if they're twins, whew, I'm sure you had a great time growing up. It was probably a lot of fun and a lot of confusion. So um, stay on the line for Harry. Harry, take care of Melissa for me. And uh, we'll kind of go from there. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. Coming back with John Morin from BitUox and the Cleaner of the Week right after this. They put a parking lot on a piece of land Where the supermarket used to stand before that, they put up a bowling alley. Hey, welcome back. Ron and the car doctor, rolling along this hour. Our next guest is, well, it was a complete surprise to me. You know, we, we're always trying different things in the shop, and uh, we're just running a repair shop. That's what we do during the week. And I came into the office one day, and Harry was cleaning the front counter using something, and um, he was really getting excited about it. I know Harry. Harry's um, Harry's a fussy. He he finds something he likes. He sticks with it. And after a couple of days of haranguing me about how I had to take a look at it, I finally did. And it was a very interesting cleaner. And in, in the cleaning market, it seems like for a marketplace that's saturated with everybody that's got the next best thing, I think this really is the next best thing because it's environmentally friendly. And I've seen it work. And it's uh, some of the things that it does are just absolutely amazing in terms of what it will clean. So we thought it would be kind of fun, as we always like to try to keep you all informed with what's going on out in the marketplace in various areas of running a shop and a house and cleaning tools. Let's go over and talk to John Morin from Bituox. Is it? Am I saying that right, John? Yeah, Ron. It's a uh, it's it's Bituox, and Bituox. Uh, I, just, I just want to thank you and Harry for having us on today. Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, um, it's a product that that workers, mechanics, truckers should really know about. Uh, and on Earth Day this weekend. 
I think it's a perfect time for us to uh, to bring it up and let them know it's out there and available to them. Well, you know, I'd like to say we segued from that, but um, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Yesterday was Earth Day, so you're absolutely right. It was a, a timing is everything. Um, why'd you create this, John? I mean, how did this come to be? Well, we um, we've always been involved with construction and with and with and with janitorial cleaning and construction cleaning and. And we always thought that um, that the green chemicals that are out there, environmentally friendly, uh, worker friendly, safe products, was always something a concept that people could really get around. Um, and people want to see something like that out there, something available that's safe for them and safe for the environment. Uh, but we wanted to create something that was just as effective as the toxic products out there. So we went ahead and and um, started developing different products, testing different things, and. And finally, we came up with this product that um, is got a 400-degree flash point, so it's non-flammable. It meets all EPA requirements. It's safe for workers, and uh, and it's and it's highly effective. I mean, it's something that that'll work on the toughest tasks that you have uh, for the toughest workers. You know, the other day when you stopped by the shop with your dad, and I met your father, and um, you know, he saw my hands. I had glo- I had my gloves off at that moment because I was busy doing something. I needed some dexterity up behind an engine, and my hands were pretty dirty. Right. And he said to me, you know, did you clean your hands? And I said, yeah, I did. I had, I had gojoed him, obviously, before I came up. And um, he says, did you try using the cleaner? Right. And, and I hadn't because it just never dawned on me. And I did. I used the 400, as as he said, and my hands came out. I mean, they were as clean as they've ever been. Is 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 it okay to wash with like that? Yeah, I mean, you know what? This This is one of the aspects of the product. That uh, that's so great about it is it's a multi-use solution. It's something that that can replace most of the products on your shelf right now. I mean, it's something that could be used as a hand cleaner, could be used as an engine cleaner, could be used as a lubricant. It could be used as a daily cleaner in your office or or in the shop or on your concrete floors, on your tile floors, whatever it may be. I mean, it could be used all around your shop, uh, your construction site, your house, your garage, wherever. It's a very versatile product, Ron. Now, you know, in the market that you're trying, the segment of the market that you're trying to break into, um, it's tough. There's a lot of product out there, and, you know, there's a lot of competition. So what's, you know, what's going to make you different and better than the other guy? I mean, Ron, what's really going to make us different is once, once somebody gets this bottle in their hand and once they use it for themselves, they're going to realize themselves that there really is no competition to Vitawax 400. Um, it's green certified. It meets all EPA regulations. It's safe for workers. has a 400-degree flashpoint. Uh, it can replace all the chemicals in your shop. So, so all those 10, 20 bottles that you've got lying there that all do specific things, Vitawax will do what they all do combined in one bottle. A couple sprays of it can go a long way. Um, and most importantly, it's USA made. And I know that we're all out there trying to support USA companies and, and work together. So we, we think that this product will be great for workers. And, and I don't think there really is competition to us, to be honest with you. Well, that's, and that's the right answer, John. I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you from what I've seen so far. I think the product does stand heads and shoulders on everybody else. I've noticed that the 400 is slated as a tar and asphalt remover. Really? Yes, I mean, and this is where the actual the name came from, Bituox. Uh, bitumen is uh, the prefix bitu is from the word bitumen, which is the bonding agent for asphalt. Um, so the product was originally designed to work for asphalt companies and replace diesel fuel as a cleaner uh, for asphalt companies, for, for paving companies. 
Uh, this product could be used as a release agent, a cleaner, a uh, tool cleaner. It just completely emulsifies and liquefies asphalt within a matter of seconds. As, as crazy as that sounds, I mean, like I said, once you get it and try it on some asphalt or on your tools, on your trucks, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep the, long, the, the longevity of the tool. It's going to protect your equipment. It's going to protect your vehicles. And, and there's no road tar. There's, there's nothing that can really... Two, two, two quick questions, John, because the clock's right. going to take us. Number one, which product has the wax protective shield in it? Because that was that would, amazing to me. That would be Bidewax 400. That would be Bidewax 400 because we use that on the countertop, and we notice how clean the countertop stays. And number two, because we're going to have to run, the clock's going to take us. Where can the listeners go get more information? There's got to be a website. www.bidewax.com. Spell so that. B- it's, yeah, go B- ahead. B-I-T-U-O-X.com. Bidewax, B-I-T-U-O-X.com. Bidewax.com. Good and we're deal. throwing it. We're throwing in a free bottle of our um, graffiti remover, also with with every purchase of a, a bottle of Bidewax. We're throwing in some free graffiti remover in there too. Perfect. Hey, John, listen, we're going to have you back again. We're going to shoot a little video in the shop. I want to demonstrate for everybody. Get it up on Facebook. We appreciate you taking the time. We're we're jammed with space for space today. So, but uh, we'll be in touch again, buddy. You take good care and say hey to your pop. Thank you. Take You're care. You're welcome. Bye bye. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Back, running into the car doctor, rolling along this hour, winding it down. Actually, let's real quick. We've uh, we're kind of doing things out of out of sequence here, but let's get this done. Our Facebook question of the day for or this hour for a free car doctor T-shirt. Somebody went out and liked the car doctor page, asked a question, and Tom Ray is up to the microphone. What do you got, Tom? Hey there, we have Daniel McQuillan who sent Ron a question, and the question is: What are your thoughts on routine routine oil sampling? That way, if something starts wearing, it can possibly be caught before it causes catastrophic failure. What says Ron? You know what, Dan? I and Tom and everybody else, I think oil sampling is a big waste of time. I really do. I'm sorry. You know, I think back to the story of Shelby Jimmy. Jimmy drives a 66 Shelby GT350, and he was doing oil sampling. And he got a report back that... Yeah, he changed the oil, sent the oil out for analysis, came back two weeks later, and it said they're starting to see evidence of bearing material in the oil. The problem is, in between the two weeks that he sent the report out and got the report back, or the oil out and got the report back, the number two connecting rod had already let go, and the damage was done. And, and that's my fear. I understand they do oil sampling in engines, and I think in or in airplane engines, and I get that. You know, in an airplane engine, catastrophic failure obviously is a bigger problem. But I think in today's in today's vehicles, I think proper care and maintenance probably cuts down the um, the possibility of having a problem. And I think doing oil sampling, maybe on construction equipment, something that's stationary, something that's sedentary, and, and you can and you can define an oil change schedule better. But I think on automobiles, I think you're better off changing the oil on a regular basis, doing your regular routine maintenance rather than trying to be scientific. Because I think it also gets into, you know, in the case of a car, we've taken something that's been fairly well engineered, and if we follow a maintenance schedule, how often do engines fail today? It's not that common. And then again, when it does, it's usually so quick. 
We had a customer a few weeks ago, we talked about it here on air, bought a brand new Dodge, 2015, 2016, whatever it was, and he had problems in the cylinder head, valve train, something let go. Oil sampling wouldn't have solved that. It had 1,600 miles on it. It was over before you knew it. So oil sampling, uh, it's nice. It might make you sleep better at night, but I think if you really want to take care of your car, do regular oil changes and maintenance, and I think that'll go a whole lot further. Somebody convinced me and proved me wrong. I'm just interested to hear what these responses might be. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anini in the car, Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.